Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. All right. Well, uh... I am Preston, and I want to thank uh, Dennis for allowing me to speak today. I uh, saw his message a couple of uh, uh, just a, a few hours before I went to bed last night, and I thought, oh, what the heck? I'll uh, I'll volunteer to speak. So here I am. Um, I'm Preston. I live in Tennessee, and uh, my sobriety date is March the sixth of 2017. So. I just passed two years of sobriety the other day, and uh, I was in Las Vegas at that time, and man, I tell you, um, Las Vegas is a tough city to stay sober in it. Uh, I heard another member here in Nashville say that uh, Las Vegas makes my disease look good, and, and yes, it does, um, but I survived. I came home and, and got my two-year chip, and, and uh, that was a very amazing experience to uh, go to the West End meeting and pick up a chip and, and just be present with, with people. And uh, people that I relate with and, and people that I care about and love today, which is something that I never had before. So that that kind of starts the conversation about where I was at before. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to share today, uh, I try not to think about it too much. I try to let God speak through me, uh, but I'm not always good at that. So, you know, I did think a little bit about it. And I wanted to kind of start off with some of the crazy thinking that brought me to these rooms two years ago. Uh, and actually, many of you may have heard my story before. I've spoke on this, uh, on this uh, chat a couple of times, uh, I think two or three times, Dennis, you you probably know better than I do, but, um, you know, my story goes way back. I remember when I was five years old, um, just, you know, the, the feeling of rubbing myself on the carpet. But that wasn't, I don't think the, I don't think that was the trigger or the thing. The thing for me was I lived in a fantasy world, even at five years old. And yeah, the, the sensation of rubbing, my, of rubbing myself on the carpet and, and uh, watching Days of Our Lives, I remember that vividly. It, it, it was something, but it was really that, that fantasy, even at five or six years old. And I think I was an addict starting then. I, I don't know how to d- describe it, but, but Hope Williams on Days of Our Lives was my fantasy fixation. And, you know, I thought about her all the time. I also thought about my best friend's sister. She was a few years older, and, and I thought about her, and I fantasized. And I had I don't know how I had all these fantasies in my head at such an early age, but they were there. And 
that crazy, insane thinking, you know, I would make up weird and crazy sexualized stories and tell them on the playground at at uh, daycare. I remember that vividly. And, um, you know, so I always had a really vivid and strong fantasy life. And uh, some of you may have heard, there's a guy, Harvey A., Harvey Asher, he, he spoke at hundreds and hundreds of, of, of conferences and, and done workshops, and he's very active in our fellowship. And one of the things he talks about that, that at first I thought he was crazy when he's talking about it, but when I think about what I've done and, and my, my acting out behaviors in my life up to you know coming into these rooms and getting serious about the 12 steps, it was all fantasy. Everything was fantasy. And he talks about that uh, he has audio and visual hallucinations. And I didn't know what he was talking about, but I have them. And, and it's as simple as if I'm walking down the street and a girl looks at me and smiles at me, my head hears, I want to have sex with you. That's what that girl's saying. Uh, if I'm walking down the street and I look at a woman, it doesn't matter what she's wearing. I can visualize her naked. You know, it just it just happens. It's a a visual hallucination is is the best way to describe it. And so when I came into these rooms, I lived in a constant state of audio audio and visual hallucinations. I was seeing everything in a sexualized manner. That fantasy life in my head was was way more active than it even was when I was five years old. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't stop it. There was no stopping it. And my best thinking was was not very good thinking. I was talking to my sponsor the other day, and, and we were just kind of laughing about the crazy stuff we did. And, uh, you know, to kind of think about some of the craziness and the insane thinking that I had was um, every time I would have sex with someone, I would immediately like an hour later i would be thinking oh when i pee is that burning oh do i have a venereal disease which you know throughout the course of of my acting out behavior i've had a venereal disease or two so so then i became fixated on the fact that i had a venereal disease and i just knew it within hours of having sex with somebody and uh, so in my crazy thinking instead of going and doing what normal people would do and go to a doctor and get checked out and then uh, go get antibiotics to cure it if I had it or whatever needed to happen. I would do research online of how I could get antibiotics without a prescription. And for a long time, I was buying packs and packs of uh, overseas drugs that may or may not have been antibiotics. I don't know. And I, I was just buying them and I would I would take them like candy. I would, you know, take two a day every day, whether I needed to or not. And then after a while, it got too hard to cover that up when I got married. And, and uh, when I was, when I thought that I might have something or just, you know, my, my insane thinking was I was always just, I always had a venereal disease, right? Um, I actually found that you can go to the pet store and you can get a form of antibiotics and uh, that you dump into tanks, you know, in the fish tanks to cure them from ick or whatever the fish may have. And so I would buy packets and packets of those things because then I could, you know, disguise that. I didn't have to explain a charge on my card from overseas from, a, you know, something uh, to get drugs. And so I would take these antibiotics 
And the funny thing is, is the ones you can get in the store, they really aren't even effective for what I was thinking I might have. But I would just take packets of them, dump them in water, and drink it. It was nasty. And I mean, you know, this is the insane thinking I had in my head. And then that even went further. One time when I was dating my current wife, I thought I might have a venereal disease, and so I thought I may have given it to her. So I had the great idea to take this antibiotics and put it in her Coca-Cola drink before I gave it to her. Well, if you ever put antibiotics in a Coca-Cola drink, number one, they taste horrible. Number two, it fizzes like crazy. And, uh, I mean, there's no way she was going to drink it. I gave it to her, and she she was like, what is this? Ugh, you know, and it was just crazy. Um the thinking that I had and, and to come to find out I was I had no idea that my my girlfriend at the time now my wife is allergic to sulfa drugs and so what I could have given her could have sent her into an anaphylactic shock and I could have killed her uh, luckily she didn't you know she didn't drink it you know it was just <laughs> there was no way she could have drank it it was just it was crazy so that's the crazy insane thinking that brought me into these rooms and it's it's almost comical to think about now. You know, we we, we joke, and, and some of my uh, sponsors and my sponsee, sponsees, they know my story. We joke about me eating fish food, you know. And, and I mean, it's just, it's just insane, the, the, the things that I thought and the things that I did. So, you know, I thought I could continue to get away with that kind of behavior. And over and over and over again, meeting people online and having affairs and having secret uh, email accounts. And I thought that I, I would never get caught. And, uh, you know, March 5th, 2017, uh, I got caught. And that brought me into these rooms full force. So that was what it was like before, the crazy, insane thinking, the audio audio hallucinations the visual hallucinations and just living in a fantasy world and i would have to go find a place to masturbate every 30 to 40 minutes all day long i just couldn't survive without it and then after my world came crashing down my wife was leaving me i you know, a little over two years ago i decided I had to try something different. Now, I've been in and out of SA rooms for years, but I never was active in SA, so to speak. So I kind of explained that. So I came into 2001, and I got sober in 2001. I stayed sober for four years. My first wife left me because I was um, stark raving sober is a term I've heard. I was crazy. Even though I wasn't acting out, I was crazy, and it's because I didn't work the steps. And so I never got past step three. I continued to st just get one, two, and three, one, two, and three. I never would do four. Uh, so after my first wife left me, I went back out, went crazy, got married again, and I was in and out of these rooms for several years before she finally caught me that last time and said, this is it. I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. And then I came back into these rooms, and I did something completely out of character for me. You know, I mean, I thought my insanity and my, and my sane th insane thinking was sane. I thought I knew how to lick this disease. Well, for the first time, I figured out I couldn't lick this disease. I couldn't take care of it on my own.
So I called a guy, Alan C., in the program here in Nashville that I've known for years. He's been in the program for years. And I called him, and he said, well, let's meet. I'll be your sponsor. And uh, that's kind of the, the thing I wanted to talk about today is, is more than anything is my insanity, my crazy thinking got me almost divorced a second time, losing my stepchildren, losing uh, – I have lost – the relationship with my my biological children and and that's really what this disease and insane thinking got me and I thought I was happy the whole time and I was completely miserable and when I came into these rooms and got serious and I started listening to my sponsor he had me actually do things that were completely outside of my realm of thought possibility he actually had me go to a doctor and get physically checked out for any venereal diseases and my and let my wife know it <laughs> what a concept go get checked out physically instead of trying to cure it myself with with drugs from petco actually go to the doctor and 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 see if you've got anything and if you have something let the doctors prescribe you drugs that will help what a, i mean you know that's crazy thinking there, but I did it. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't have to worry whether I had a disease. I knew that I was clean. You know, I knew that I didn't need, uh, you know, any drugs. And, and what's crazy is when I get sick today, I can go to the doctor. I never went to the doctor before. When I was sick, I tried to self-medicate in every way possible, whether it was with my disease or whether it was getting OTC drugs or whether it was ordering drugs online. I thought I knew better than the doctors. And uh, today I know that I can go to a doctor and trust them. They went to school for this for many years, and they, they probably know a little bit better about how to deal with this disease than me or not this disease, this uh, whatever disease I may have or sickness I may have. And that's the exact same thing I'm doing today is, is I'm actually being a sponsee. And in turn, I get to be a sponsor, and I get to help others. And, uh, you know, what does – being a sponsee look like for me today? Well, number one, it's taking my sponsor's direction. I never was able to do that before. Before, I thought I knew best. So my sponsors in the past, they would tell me what they thought I needed to do. And I, I would say, yeah, okay. And then I would go do whatever I wanted to do anyways. And that ended up getting me uh, back into some insane thinkings, back into affairs, back into relationships that didn't need to be in. Um, so my best thinking got me almost divorced again, got me taking drugs almost to a point where I could have killed my, my wife, you know, with uh, or at least sent her to the hospital in anaphylactic shock because she took a drug that <laughs> she didn't even know she was taking. You know, the insane craziness of this disease. And today I can have conversations with my wife. If, if something's going on and I don't feel right, I can go to the doctor and get it taken care of. And if, if I've given her something, say strep throat, she can go to the doctor and get checked out too. Um, you know, thank God today it's not giving her chlamydia or gonorrhea or even AIDS. You know, it's 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 normal communicable diseases that you get just by touching door handles. Uh, man, you know that's a, that's a it's a it's a relief. And then and then the other thing you know about being a, a sponsor is something. I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday in this program, and we were talking about 
the big benefit of SA is not working the 12 steps. Now, they do give us a design for living, and they help me through so many aspects of my life and learning how to deal with it. But the thing that this fellowship gives me more than anything is fellowship and relationships that I never had. I have guys, about five or six guys that I talk to almost every day, if not every day, every other day. I actually go canoeing with some of my friends in this fellowship. I actually uh, go fishing with friends in this fellowship. I go eat lunch with friends in this fellowship. I We work the steps together. We talk about things that I've never been able to talk about. And that goes right along with, with my sponsor. I have a relationship with him that is unbelievable. I call him every single day, whether I need to or not. Um, and what that does is, is it builds that relationship with my sponsor. It helps me to be a better sponsee, and then in turn helps me to be a better sponsor, and it anchors me in this program. Something you know I've never had is being anchored anywhere. I was shifting here, there, and everywhere. And today, I can call my sponsor, and if something's not right, he calls me on my BS. He absolutely 100% can tell within just a few minutes if anything's going wrong. And he has this way of actually just saying, hey, is there something you're not telling me? Anything you need to share with me that you, you know, that I need to know? And that just instantly, I can't hide from him anymore. And, and that's because I have a relationship with him. I don't just call him when I'm in trouble. I don't just call him you know, when it, I'm in desperate need, I call him every day. Uh, I heard that on a, on a recording somewhere. It's like, how many times are you calling your sponsor? If you're calling him once a week, make it twice a week. If you're, if you're calling your sponsor three times a week, make it four times a week. And so I just, I went all in. You know, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. And this disease, outside of this disease, the whole nine yards. I, I, so I just went in all in. Once a day, I call him, whether I need to or not. I I worked the steps. I got through all the 12 steps. I'm going through them. This is two years of sobriety, and I'm on my third time through the steps. And this is, it's amazing. Every time I work these steps, I learn something new. And this time I'm doing it with a group of my fellow travelers in this program. There's six of us, and we're in a group. And every Monday night, we're meeting for about 16, 17 weeks doing the steps. And it is amazing what other people see that I don't see in my disease. When I'm going through my fourth step, when I'm going through my resentments, they help me to see things about my part that I didn't, I've never seen. They help me see things about my fears that I've never seen. And now we're working on harms and they help me to see things that I never saw in harms that I never thought I'd harmed this person or that person. And I did. And so, you know, this step, step work is just, you know, to me, that's part of being a good sponsee as well. And the other thing is, is I want to just say that I've also learned that it's not all about me. My whole life, it's always been about me. And, and I learned for the first time in this fellowship and getting recovery and working the steps and being a friend to others, you know, I had this really high expectation of my sponsors. When I called my sponsor, I expected them to answer. And if they didn't answer, I expected them to call me back within 24 hours. Well, the sponsor I have now, he has, I don't know, 15, 16 sponsees. And he doesn't have time to call me back every time. So I may call him every day and not hear back from him for three or four days. And instead of getting all worried and, and frustrated and angry and I need a new sponsor, I just kind of realize he's busy and let it go. And 
it's so interesting being a sponsor and now seeing it. You know, I'm involved in in uh, several committees and I chair a committee, uh, and I'm also the chair for our inner group. And I and I I'm getting involved, and I have five or six sponsees that call me every day, and and I meet with weekly, and I'm starting to see how my sponsor doesn't always have time to call me back because then you also ha- he also has to you know uh, be there for his wife be there for his child be there for his work and be there for us so you know I can I'm starting to very clearly have a lot of empathy and sympathy for him and realize it's not all about me he doesn't have to pick up that phone every time and so that's something this program's given me that I've never had before in my life ever is a, is a insight into other people uh, and, and that just came out the other night, uh, last night, as a matter of fact, uh, on one of the committees I'm on, I know that one of the members is going through something with her with her kids, and she's extremely stressed out and extremely frustrated on a personal level, and that starts to come out in some things on the committee level. And another one of the members just didn't know what was going on, and he was railing on about this person, and I, I finally had to pull him aside and say, look, you're missing a big picture. Yeah, they're not involved or they're upset about something right now, but it has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with this committee, has everything to do with something that's going on in their life. And was able to actually have empathy for this person and give them compassion and understanding and leniency where in the past I never could do that. So so that's the difference I have today. Today I have, I have my expectations of people are drastically lower. I'd love to say I don't have any. Because as we say in this program, expectations breed resentment. But I still have expectations. But I am much more open to hearing what's going on with these people today and and be more forgiving and loving and and take the next right right action. And that that has everything to do with, with this program and these steps and having a sponsor and being a sponsee and being a sponsor. And... um, you know, I would encourage anybody in this program, if, you, if you're not all in, go all in. Work these steps with your sponsor. Call your sponsor every day. Uh, have other people in this fellowship that you do talk to on a daily basis. Develop those friendships and really just give yourself to this program because it works if we work it. And that's a promise that's in the book and it's there. And I'm starting to see this two years later. It works. And I've got friendships can't even imagine I would ever had in the past and it's great to have them today and and I have people like Dennis thank you Dennis that, that are in my life that that invite me to things like this and allow me to speak and to share my experience strength and hope and and I don't know if it helps but I hope it does and I hope somebody gets something out of this today and to see that you know today Preston's insane thinking isn't nearly as insane uh, and I have people to help me with those insane thoughts when I have them and give me direction that I will follow today. And it's the results have been way better than I could have ever imagined uh, trying to do it on my own. So with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Dennis, for letting me share.